Hey, fellow traveler, welcome to the Third Eye Awakening podcast, a show where we talk all about spiritual and psychic awakening, magic, the shift from 3D to 5D, star seeds, ascension, multiple timelines, multiple dimensions, the universe, the multiverse, the Akashic records, all the good things. I am your host, Amy Blair, and I'm so glad to have you here with me today. Okay, let's do this. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Third Eye Awakening. I have a beautiful conversation to share with you today with a podcast listener, MJ, who I actually met through an Akashic reading. She was one of the winners of the monthly Akashic reading draw. And, you know, the places that we went into the Akashic records were not for the podcast audience listening ears. So that conversation, that reading never got published as an episode But MJ was so cool that I was like, I need to have her back on and just have a conversation with her. Her outlook is very inspiring. Her her energy, her story, she's just full of so much beautiful effervescent potential that I really wanted to share her story to a larger listening audience. So I'm sure that you're going to love this conversation. But before we get into it, I want to remind you that... The Akashic Records Training and Certification Program is open for enrollment. It is officially called Akashic Holographic Mastery. And that is because this is not your run-of-the-mill Akashic Records Training Program. I am not teaching regurgitated material from anybody else. Not I learned from Jennifer Longmore, but I... <laughs> When I started working the Akashic Records, not to say that I didn't have anything to learn from her because I I most certainly did and I continue to work with her right now, Um, but when I went in there, I was like, oh, I've been doing this for a long time and oh, like I have my own unique flavor as we all do, as we all do as Akashic Records readers. But my point is that I'm not simply regurgitating her information that I learned from her. I'm not regurgitating anything that I learned in any book or any other course or program. I am teaching you what I have discovered through the Akashic Records, my own unique techniques and methodologies, and the different things that I have learned over the last four years of being in business doing Akashic Records readings. And then in addition, the years before I went into business where I was doing them more as like a, a practice thing. I What I really want to do is essentially create like a school. It's, it's truly a training and certification program insofar as this is for people who are really serious. Like when I think back about where I was when I was getting started, And all the money I spent, honestly, at college and university trying to acquire skills that weren't actually a representation of what I'm truly here to do and my true unique gifts. Because let's be real, my guidance counselor did not say to me, Amy, you would make an amazing Akashic Records reader. Have you ever considered that as a career path? No, she didn't say that because she didn't even know. How could she know? She probably had never even heard of the Akashic Records. And because that was not a legitimate pursuit for the majority of my life, I really stumbled and I grappled and I, you know, was like groping clumsily in the dark. I wasted a lot of time and a lot of money. 
And of course, when I finally arrived at my path, which is to be an Akashic Records reader and a channel and an oracle and whatever, content creator, all the things. But when I finally came to arrived at this path, of course, I started making money. Of course, my financial reality changed. It was always a legitimate path. But just because other people didn't recognize it at such, I didn't have any guidance. I didn't have any structure. And it can be really hard to learn how to do this in the absence of curriculum, guidance, structure, accountability, community, because it's so abstract and it's so subtle and like to tune into these frequencies of consciousness is something that we're not used to prioritizing. And I've recently pulled um, my soul space community and asked how many people who had taken an Akashic Records reading course, whether it was mine or somebody else's, um, had like were not sure that they've even ever actually successfully accessed the Akashic Records. And I gave a whole bunch of options and invited them to add their own options as to why they think that might be the case. And unsurprisingly, the the options that were you know most popular were that honestly they never actually made the time to cultivate it as a skill but also that their lives are very busy and it feels hard to prioritize something like this it feels hard to tune in and that's not surprising at all whatsoever this is a legitimate path is my point and this is the program that i would have benefited from so much at the beginning of my, you know, stepping onto this path. It's not only Akashic Records reading like theory, concepts, techniques, Akashic attunements, but it's also how to create your business and not just some cookie cutter bullshit business. Because what works for me is probably not going to work for you in a sort of wash, rinse, repeat, plug and play kind of way. Because you're a totally different soul. You have a different like astrological chart. You have different human design. Your soul blueprint is different. Your mission is different. But what we have in common is that we want to work in the Akashic Records. We know that we are here to work in the Akashic Records and bring life-changing healing and clarity to other people. As well as, I mean, not to mention the benefits of the Akashic Records for ourselves, like just for ourselves. But the people that this training and certification is created for are those who know that they want to do this as a service, whether to incorporate it and integrate it with another business that they already have. So maybe they are some kind of healer or a counselor you know, they have other modalities that are their primary modalities, but the Akashic Records is really speaking to them. And they know that these different modalities can be blended to harmonize and just enhance the results for our clients. So I kind of got on a tangent there and I can't quite remember the sentence structure I was setting up, but suffice it to say that this is a fucking beefy program. This is really, really, really juicy. I don't know. Beefy is a weird word to choose to describe it. The energies, the frequencies are not beefy at all. But my, but what I'm trying to say is that it's very substantial. 
It's very, very substantial and it is comprehensive. My intention is that for those who enroll and complete the program, they will learn everything that they need and receive the guidance and the support and the practice opportunities to hone their skills as a competent and confident Akashic Records reader and to be able to set up a business or integrate it into an existing business in a way that is sustainable, it is scalable, they can thrive, they will not burn out, they can do this beautiful work and have it feed and nourish them. That's my desire, that's my intention. There's so much in here. As I record this, the sales page is almost finished. I've written out all the copy and I'm definitely going to blast it out on my email list, in Soul Space, on Instagram, wherever, all the places you can find me uh, as soon as it is complete. But in the meantime, I have completed the checkout pages, which give a really nice summary. So if you want to check out some of the details about it, I finally have gotten the branding done. I finally got you know, the sort of like the bullet list of what this is all about. Uh, I've got that done and I'm so excited to share it with you. You can find it in the links below, the links in the show notes. You can also find it in the link tree in my Instagram bio. And as I said, I'll be sharing it in Soul Space and on my email list. The website is almost finished as well. Um, May is working really hard on it, as am I, and it's almost complete excited to unveil it for you. The other thing that I want to tell you about is that I have given some very serious consideration to my program into the Akasha. And I've decided that I'm going to run it again live, which I haven't done since 2021, early 2021. And I'm so excited to do so. It's going to be fundamentally the same program and I think I'm going to include the like the original whatever the one that people purchase on my website or per, until I took my website down. Um, but that one, the one that everybody knows and loves and I put it on sale last year in November, I'm I'm going to like include that as part of this new into the Akasha, this new live round. But when I was looking at it, I was like, man, I have learned so many things. This just needs an update. But also what I learned through the mastermind deeper into the Akasha that I ran last year or earlier this year, technically is when I ran it, sold it last year. I learned the value of carving time out to practice together. And it is not okay with me, the number of people who may have taken my course or have taken any Akashic Records course and feel that they haven't necessarily accessed the Akashic Records. Because what good is it to take a course like that if you're not actually going to get results, right? And of course, I can't guarantee anybody results because you're the one, it's like I can teach you how to play the piano, but you're the one that has to practice, you know what I mean? I can't guarantee that, but what I can do is fold in practice sessions and do them as a group so that I am leading you into the Akashic Records. It was very powerful and deeper into the Akasha to lead everybody into the Akashic Records together. The energy, the frequency of the information that was coming through was greatly amplified. So I'm going to run this new round of Into the Akasha in July, starting in July. So it's going to run us through July and August. 
And I'm not going to repeat this live round again. So if you want to do Into the Akasha with me and you want to be led literally into the Akashic Records together and you want to have an experience where you feel that frequency and you receive messages and guidance and information from your own Akashic Records, then please join me. Starting in July, carrying us through August, this is going to be amazing. Of course, the 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 hmm. of course I will resell this program in the future for everybody who was not able to join live in this round, but I won't do it live. So get in on this if you want. Everything is going to be bundled, so you can bundle and save if you want to do level one of Akashic Holographic Mastery, or you want to do levels one and two, or you want all three, whatever, I'm going to have a beautiful um, bundle and save kind of incentive. And I will also have a, um, a discount for everybody who has already taken into the Akasha. You've already spent money on the program. It will be same information delivered with a different frequency and a different organization and there will be new things folded into it um but i would love to honor you because you've already taken um you know the 2021 version of the journey with me so keep your eyes peeled for that i do not have the sales page ready for that yet so you're just gonna have to wait um, but I do have a very bare bones checkout link if you want to get in and save on presale. As always, presale just means I get an idea, okay? I get an idea, and then there's all of this work that has to get done in order to bring it into fruition. And it's like it's a lot. It's writing all the copy, all the content, coming up with the the course material like the curriculum what the modules are going to be about and then writing the sales page and creating the graphics and it is a lot of work a ton 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 of work and pre-sale means that you know you want in on this and you do not have want to have to wait until all the information is out you're like I don't care I don't care what the modules are I know it's going to be good I know I want to do this I'm ready to sign up and because I'm ready to sign up without even needing any of the information I'm going to get gifted rewarded maybe with a very generous discount so if that's you and you want to get in on pre-sale on a super generous discount then you know click the link in the bio and I will be so happy to go on this journey with you (sighs) okay it was a huge mouthful thank you for taking the time to listen if you did and without any further ado here is the conversation with the beautiful MJ Maldonado Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Third Eye Awakening. Thank you so much for being here. I fucking love all of you so much. And I'm very excited to share a conversation today with MJ, who is a podcast listener. She is a 24-year-old seeking to understand herself and where she fits into the world. She was born to a teen mom and her father passed away months after conceiving her, but promised her mother, his mother, her first granddaughter. After being born and fulfilling that promise, she struggled to connect to people around her who weren't as connected as she was, and she ended up tuning out her connection to source. But now she is ready to be activated and to work in tandem with the light. And MJ and I have already had a conversation before. Um, She's 
beautiful and bright and interesting. And so I was like, we should talk and just go into your story and share it with the podcast listening audience. So thank you so much for being here, MJ. Thank you. Thank you and, so much for having me. Oh yeah. I'm really, really excited to talk to you. I would love to hear, um, hear about your story more in depth. So for everybody, I did a reading for MJ, so I kind of know, but in a reading, it's not like the person is telling me their whole life story. Like I know those little snippets and I know what I saw in the Akashic records, but I could just tell that there was a lot more to it. And I would love to hear about it. Yeah. There's <laughs> my friends and I, in like high school, we used to joke that my life could be a TV show because of all of the random shenanigans that was going on. Wow. Um, and I just want to put a little caveat that like some of my some of the things that I've gone through aren't necessarily like all happy and light and lovey. And I'm not looking for anyone to like see me as a victim because I don't see myself as a victim. I just feel like in order to understand where I am now, it's important to talk about the negative things that did happen to me. Absolutely. So I guess I'll start with, um, like Amy said in the introduction, my dad passed away literally like a month after I was conceived. And so um, I, my mom lived obviously at home with her mom and we lived in a house um, on one side of town and ended up moving a year later. So I was in a whole new house after about a year. But my mom she like doesn't believe in ghosts or anything of the sort, but she did notice that like I would giggle in the middle of the night and no one would be in there and like the mobile around my crib would be moving, but I would have like a foot to touch it. So it wasn't me doing that. And she didn't tell me these things until a couple of years ago, but I just thought that was kind of relevant. So when we moved, she thought that would change and that didn't really stop. Um, and then I had this little tiny room. The window was probably like the size of a laptop, just in this like attic room that had uh, slanted ceilings. And I remember feeling so like Harry Potter-ish in that room, like even though that happened to me before Harry Potter actually came out. But I remember being really scared all the time because I would see like eyes on the walls watching me and they would kind of just like blink in and out every so often in the middle of the night and I kind of felt like a Scooby-Doo character you know when they're like running through the halls and the monsters chasing them but they have all these big eyes popping everywhere that's kind of like what it felt like to me and I could never talk to my family about this because they kind of just brushed it off as me being a kid but my grandma was very understanding for someone who was a Sunday school teacher. I think she's really like the catalyst for why I'm more of a sensitive person. Um, and so I want to say around the age of six, I was like always fascinated with nature. Like I had a best friend at the time. We always talked about fairies and gnomes and like the very mystical world of like nature and I remember I used to be able to, like, make the leaves swirl with my mind. Like, I, it wouldn't be the wind that I was seeing move the leaves. It would be my intentions. And I never showed anyone that or really told anyone that, but I thought that was really odd that, like, I could do that, but no one really said anything about it. 
Um, so then after my grandma passed away when I was, I think, about four, almost five, my mom kind of really reverted in her life. She became like less outgoing with me and wanted to spend more time with her friends. So I never really got to like have a very mother-daughter relationship with her. It was very like I was worried about her and it was a very like I think it's called parentification when the child kind of assumes that parent role and has to care for the adult's needs and their emotional capacity. And so when I was eight, I had this really bad experience with my mom, who at the time was very overweight. Um, and she couldn't get off of the floor for about three hours. And I remember feeling so defeated and like, why is my life like this? Like, it's not fair. I'm just a kid. I'm just supposed to be, you know, running around outside with my friends. I shouldn't have to be, you know, using all of my weight to try and get my 300 pound mother off of the ground. And that's around the time where I really felt depressed. And I had a actual like negativity almost feels like a cloud for me like when I get really depressed it feels like a cloud envelops my like bubble and I just can't escape the cloud it's very heavy and so that kind of led to me being depressed for like I mean I still battle with depression but it's not nearly as bad as it used to be and then around the age of 10 I started getting really interested in like ghosts because I finally, like, there was, you know, Ghost Adventures with Zach Bagans finally came out. And there was, like, ghost hunting was very popular. I want to say that was, like, 2009, 2010. And so I became fascinated with, like, I knew these things are here. I know I've been, in, like, things have interacted with me. But I just didn't have that kind of outlet of people to talk to or anything like that. Um, and then my cousin used to babysit me after my mom got engaged and we moved to his house and we were kind of sitting there just talking about ghosts. We used to watch the ghost shows all the time. And she told me about this experience she had where her friend passed away while she was sleeping and she didn't know it, but um, she had a dream that night that her friend was like talking to her in her closet and had turned her TV on to wake her up. And when she woke up, her closet door was open and the TV was on. So she felt like that was an actual experience, not just a dream. And then all of a sudden, there was like this huge, like seven foot, it was so tall that it had to like bend its neck like this to fit in the doorway of my house. And it was just like standing by the fridge. And me and her were like, did, did you see that? And all of a sudden, my dog like ran to the back of the couch and she didn't bark because she's half Maltese and you have to train those dogs to bark. And so she started snarling like towards this area where the shadow figure was. So I was like, okay, there's no way that it's just us seeing that. Uh -huh. And we called my mom. We're like freaking out because I'm like a 12 year old, right? Wow. Like, how do you just deal with seeing a shadow figure in your house? And so my mom's like, you guys are just making it up. You're watching too much ghost adventures, whatever, whatever. Just go to sleep. I'm like, I'm not sleeping tonight. It's like 10 right? p.m. already. Like, I'm not sleeping. And so not too long after that, I had, uh, 
I don't know if it was the same shadow, but I had a shadow come out of my closet multiple times. It kind of started out almost as sleep paralysis, but I wasn't paralyzed. It was just like I would wake up in the middle of the night and see it. And then not to get too in depth, but eventually it became sexual. And that was like my first experience with things like that. And so I like became very out of touch with reality. And eventually I kind of just became like a partier because at like 13, 14, I'm having these weird experiences I can't explain. My friends would come over and sleep over, but they wouldn't see it. So I felt very alone and my mom, I knew she was a partier. So I kind of was like, well, then I'll just do what my mom does. And I started smoking cigarettes and drinking alcohol. And eventually that led to me having some uh, sexual assault and with people. Um, and that made me even more depressed. So then I kind of started spiraling until like a week before my 18th birthday, my best friend and I had gotten into a big fight. And my mom and I had a terrible relationship and I had this like mental breakdown pretty much. And I was like, I need a therapist. I need like to be medicated. Like I can't deal with what's going on. And my mom kind of was like, oh, well, you're just being a drama queen. Like if this isn't real, like you're just being dramatic about what you're feeling. And so that night I had uh, taken some migraine medication that I had at the time and I tried to overdose um luckily my mom came up like an hour later and was like I feel really bad about saying that can you just promise me you won't hurt yourself until I get you a therapist so then I threw up all the medication that I had ingested and then kind of just like hoped I would wake up in the morning luckily I did obviously and uh I went to that therapy appointment who turned out, I didn't know this before the session, but she was my mom's therapist like three years before. So whenever I would try to talk about my mom, because I obviously have this huge mother wound, I would get met with, well, your mom went through so many traumatic things because her mom died when she was 21 and your dad died when she was 16. Like you need to give your mom some extra cushioning. And I was like, if I'm here telling you, you've already diagnosed me with eating disorders, You've already diagnosed me with major depression, but you're not helping me with the things that I'm telling you are actually going on with me. So after about two or three visits, I pretty much just stopped going because I couldn't handle it. And then I decided that I had to get away. My family didn't want me to go to cosmetology school. They didn't want me to go out of state for college. So I was like, fine, I will go as far away as I can get. And I drove three hours to go to college. Um, and there was kind of like the first time I felt seen as a person for like who I am and not for who other people wanted me to be. And then eventually I, my second year, I lived in a haunted dorm. I would like have my butt touched all the time. I would like hear the faucets going on and off in the bathroom. And I was like, okay, well, I guess this is starting again. Like, I don't know what I am. I'm just magnetic towards this. And 
a couple years later, I met my boyfriend now, who's my twin flame, as you know, Amy, and uh, basically had a huge kind of even more of the lotus petals opening in that relationship because he is sensitive to and has had a bunch of paranormal experiences and interdimensional being experiences and so being able to talk to someone who has like similar experiences is really refreshing and opened up like my clear cognizance it opened up um I've always been an empathetic person but it opened that up even more and uh yeah that's pretty much where I'm at right now is like trying to figure out my clear cognizance and like what to do with my empathy Mm hmm. Mm hmm. It's so um, it really sucks that you're you were going through so much and that nobody was able to validate it for you. I think that's like, unfortunately, a lot of people's experience. Yeah. And that's kind of I mean, that is how I ended up with my twin flame, too, which was probably something that had to happen. Whatever. But it, it was the same kind of thing. Like I was, I was just having all these understandings and experiences that felt like I, nobody would know it now because I talk all the time about these things, but I used to be very blocked and I would talk, but I would talk normal language to try and fit in. And then I would have all this stuff inside and they, you know, it would never come out. And I felt very misunderstood and very unseen. And then um, when I met my twin flame, um, he could understand what I was experiencing. But did that mean it was a good relationship? No, not even remotely close, not even close. But it was like, I just, I call it a sacral chakra wound. Like that need to be seen, like truly seen by our parents and our early caregivers right from like birth, basically. Like, I believe that we're all, according to our original blueprint, as I can see it, we would all be conceived consciously. It would be a conscious choice, not only by our parents, like chiefly our parents, but also our soul and also um, our like extended family and greater community. Everybody would be like, yes, this is, this is a good time to receive a new soul into our big, you know, our big group. And so then when we would be born, we would be like absolutely celebrated and, and totally adored. There would be people all around us wanting to keep us safe, wanting to soothe us and cuddle us and hold us and feed us and play with us. And we would just never have that feeling that so many of us have now of being like, am I even visible? Does anyone see me? And having our, exactly our wounded parents and our wounded caregivers projecting all their shit onto us. And then that sacral chakra wound of not having those deeply primal, but absolutely necessary needs met leaves us very open to then like trauma bond with somebody who has a sort of a matching frequency to that wound. And then it, it's very intense very dramatic. I even, I feel like the the topic of twin flames is one that I usually avoid because, well, because I've met people who romanticize twin flames. A hundred percent. And I've seen all these stupid tarot card pick a pile readings on YouTube 
about like when you will get together with your twin flame. And I just see those as like, those are siphoning. They they're, it's like dark magic illusion. I'm not saying the people who create them are deliberately doing it for that reason, but I think it's a dark magic program, um, to like outsource so much of your creative potential to like, you know, when you're single or when you're infatuated with somebody and being like, Oh my God, it's my twin flame. And when will we get together? Or, you know, the insane codependency of twin flames. And then like doing these readings all the time. And these YouTube readings, I feel like they siphon off so much of our energy through our, our sacral chakra. But that being said, I'm not saying anybody shouldn't be in them. That's just why I avoid talking about it. But they sure. also catalyze a ton of personal growth and evolution. Yes. I feel you're totally 100% right that a lot of the time they romanticize relationships. And I think another part of those videos is like they're getting your hopes up that you're going to have this perfect match for you mm-hmm. when in reality, yes, t- your twin flame is like a perfect vibratory match for you because you were once one soul, but it's so much hard work. Like it's so much mirroring. It's so much yeah. like, and when you're not, when you don't have proper discernment built up, it feels like it's all your fault. When reality, it's like that, what you don't like about that person is showing you what you probably don't like within yourself, but you haven't been able to muster the courage to change yourself yet. Mm -hmm. Totally. That's totally it. It's just constant, constant mirroring. So it's like, (laughs) like twin flame sounds all amazing and romantic. But in reality, it's like, hey, do you want to do the most shadow work all the time with the person you're having sex with? (laughs) Yes. And possibly living with and that you're in love with and you're trying to play in your life with. Like, oh God. And I've been in this for four and a half years. And let me tell you, the first the first two years were like the biggest struggle I've ever had, like understanding a person in my life. But the more that I tried to understand him and like help him peel back the layers the more that I I could do that to myself with compassion and understanding and like to go back to what you said about being like having this need to be understood I feel like when you're in an environment where people are more welcoming to you and more naturally like trying to understand who you already are it leaves you room for okay I don't have to worry about someone meeting my needs I have to worry about meeting my own needs Whereas when you don't have that growing up, you're like, please notice me, please notice what I'm seeing that I'm not saying, but I'm showing you with my body language and my actions, but I don't want to actually say it because that was me for a long time. Like being in that parentified role, it really trained me. Like I was so indoctrinated in being a people pleaser and trying mm. to find that love from someone to give to me instead of just giving myself the love that I need. And that has been a huge personal growth journey for me the last two years. It was just like finding out, okay, I, like I wasn't loved the way I needed to be and deserved to be loved as a child, but I can give that childlike nature that's still inside of me the love and compassion that it deserves. And then yeah. it just helps build me up as a person. Totally. Totally. And I think that's what we all have to ultimately get to. Um, 
but it, it breaks my heart every time I think about it and hear about it, because I'm like, it's not actually supposed to be that way though. I mean, eventually we do have to, you know, even in our original blueprint, we get to a place where we are self-sourcing, but you don't get there from that place of like, nobody else is going to do this for me. So I have to do it. You get there by being so fucking adored and just, and seen and loved and cherished and protected and, and cared for that you just naturally like the same way that like, we don't have to make children learn how to walk. They decide they're ready for a new level of independence and they decide to learn how to walk. It's, it would be the same thing. Like if all of our sacral chakra needs were getting met the way that they're supposed to, the way that we are designed to function as um, individuals and as a collective, then we would naturally get to this place where like, my cup is full and I don't feel like I don't feel reliant on you anymore for that because I'm grown up now and I can do it myself. And then we would, then we would probably find our twin soul or our twin flames or whatever soulmates, whatever, an appropriate person that we feel deeply connected with on a soul level. And they would be coming from a space of wholeness and we're coming from a space of wholeness. And then we come together in a way that is not just projecting stuff all over each other. And we're not having to mirror all of our traumas to each other to try and get it healed. It's, it's, but, but you're right. Like that is eventually the space I think that we all have to get to, which PS, I'm just going to give a shameless plug right now. I go very deeply into all of this in Heart Star Creator. If you're listening and you're like, oh my God, yes, that's me, light bulbs, light bulbs. And I want to learn how to like resolve this and also be deeply activated in all my magic through all my chakras, then join Heart Star Creator. It's the shit. Okay. Moving back <laughs> to our conversation. I want to go back to um the shadow figure that you were experiencing where like it was. Basically, it sounds like it was like a a succubus or an incubus, like a dark being that was um, being sexual with you when you were in your preteens. Did that ever stop? You didn't include that in your story. Um, So pretty much it stopped when I lost my virginity in real life. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know why. I can't tell you why. (laughs) But it was, I don't know, now that I'm older and I have a friend who was friends with me at the time, we kind of like stopped being friends for bullshit reasons as teenage girls do. Um, but we found each other in adulthood. She had a similar experience and it also stopped when she started having sex. So I don't know what that means, but. Did you for both of you, this question is like about both of you. Did you um, have sex with people that were not aligned and it was not a good situation? Like, like they Um, weren't the best choices? For me, I can't talk from her experience, but for me, the person that I lost my virginity with was like, we were dating for about a year beforehand off and on. Like we would date for three months, break up for a month. He would try dating someone else, break up with her, come back to me. And so, and he wasn't a virgin. We were in the same grade, but he was like a year and a half older than me. He had gotten held back before. And so I feel like 
And after, literally after it happened, he was like, I feel so bad. I shouldn't have done that. And I was like, oh, that's great. You tell me now after, you know. Right. And like, it wasn't a bad experience for me. I wouldn't change that. But I definitely feel like maybe in that sense, I had passed that energy on to him because Mm -hmm. he felt guilt for it. So that could be it. But I also know. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. You finish first. I was just going to say that. I know that um, my gr- my abuela, she had practiced uh, Santeria. Do you know what that is? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know. In essence, my dad died. And then about four or five years later, um, my uncle got shot and passed from gang violence. And then she had an adoptive daughter that had, um, what is it called? cerebral palsy and she had passed away and that happened all like within 10 years so I don't know if it could have been something with that because she was sacrificing animals to whatever she was trying to get done but also about two years beforehand I'd used a Ouija board for the first time with Mm. like my friends on Halloween as like it was her birthday like we were in her basement we knew her basement was haunted already and I'll tell that story really quick. Mm -hmm. Um, So we were 10 year old girls, all of us just sitting in a basement. And it was probably like two in the morning when we started using this Ouija board, like half of the girls were asleep. So it was just like three of us. And we were like, if this is real, wake our friend up at three o'clock in the morning and have her say this. And mind you, this was a girl who had already said earlier in that night, like, I think I saw something in the mirror. Like, I think I saw a shadow in the mirror. And sure enough, she woke up, looked at the mirror and said that exact same thing and went back to sleep. We woke her up in the morning and she had no idea that that had happened. So I had inadvertently got someone I was friends with kind of possessed. And I felt really bad about that because I didn't realize like the level of what was happening, like what that actually meant. Um, you know, I was just like emulating what I saw on TV, people mm-hmm. using Ouija boards and talking to spirits. So I don't know, that could have also had something to do with it, but it was very odd. My cousin, um, she came over a few times after that, because this was like maybe like two months or three months before I turned 13, which is when I was allowed to stay home by myself. But she never said anything about seeing something like that again. I just know that it was like a weird spot in the house after that. And it was like, this was probably the reason, actually. There was a window and then there was the bathroom door. And then there was a doorway to the kitchen that would be open. And then across from that was another window. So I feel like that was just like the energy center of the house to where that's where something would manifest if anything would manifest. But I think Mm -hmm. after that, it just got attached to me and then moved into my closet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um oh my God. <laughs> so the the thing I was gonna say, I'll just say that so I don't forget was you probably didn't pass it to him. It passed itself to him. That was my that was my wondering. That was the premise of my wondering was like it probably didn't need to manifest as a shadow anymore because once you started having physical sex with people, I, I was just assuming like even if those people weren't bad people, 
if they also had a level of unconsciousness, then they're very easy vessels to enter yeah, and for them was. to continue to siphon. Like now it gets a two for one. It gets to siphon both of your sacral energy off of you. And I just realized he got into a car accident that totally wrecked his car too. Like two months after that, or not even like a month after that. Mm-hmm. So I think it did just, I did, that didn't even click in my mind till now. And that was over 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And then the, yeah. Oh my gosh. This is such a, I'm really glad we're going in this direction with the conversation. Cause I feel like these are things that have to be said and I'm not really good at covering them on my own. Um, but the Ouija board thing, like it definitely could have come from there, but also the Santeria thing, because it's very, well, this is just as always, these are my perceptions and beliefs, but my, I don't feel like my beliefs are based in superstition. They're based in observation, which is that the taking of a, a life to charge up um, an intention, doing that kind of a spell, even if the person is a good person is dark magic. And people engage in dark magic all the time without realizing that's what they're doing. Like you did with the Ouija board, because exactly if you don't have parents around watching, you've seen it on TV. Like that's why it's presented as a board game. I I always tell my son, I'm like, do not fuck with that shit ever, ever, ever. It's not a board game. Like don't play, don't do it with cards. Like do not ever open up to talk to the spirit world in an irreverent way. And it's shown on, um, you know, TV or on YouTube and stuff all the time with people who are ghost hunters, like using spirit boxes and, um, different, like, I think they're like EMF readers or whatever. Um, but like these different things to try and communicate with the spirit world. And I'm not saying nobody can do that. I'm just saying that it's like you have to understand the power of like what you are and they oh my god they're so multi-layered like for example let's just say somebody is is an amateur hobbyist ghost hunter and they buy a spirit box and they're like which if if people don't know what a spirit box is it's this this weird device that rapid clicks through different um, radio channel frequencies and it provides a mechanism for spirits to speak through. And I've, I've seen examples of like, yep, actual messages coming through. I totally believe that those were legitimate, not um, like not scripted or created. Like there was, it felt very authentic to me. A lot of the time it just sounds like as it flips through the different stations. Um, and so, so if somebody's an amateur ghost hunter and they're taking around the spirit box and going to haunted places and they're trying to communicate with spirits. Um, so, so if they're just so everybody knows we had to pause there twice because we're talking about this. And the technology is, is messing with us. So things are listening anyway. So that person can be amateur ghost hunting and totally like not looking for trouble at all. They're just curious, just interested. And they connect with um, seemingly a ghost or some kind of spirit. And that spirit could literally just be like a ghost or it could be pretending it's a ghost. And, you know, it's actually a dark entity, but it can also just literally be a ghost, but have a dark entity behind it attached to it. 
And like, there are all these ways. It's why we have to use our discernment so much and not, I'm not trying to make anybody like fearful and superstitious. I'm just saying like, don't be, don't, don't do it in like, don't do it nonchalantly because you can open the door to things and not realize. And it sounds like that's possibly what happened for you is just, you were like, you guys were like, oh my God, wouldn't it be cool to play with a Ouija board? And I mean, that story about your friend is waking up at 3am and saying the literal thing is I'm going back to sleep. I don't know how you, like, I would have just pooped my pants. I would have pooped my pants. I didn't sleep that shadow figure. Yeah. I did not sleep that night. I actually, after that night, I swore off Ouija boards until my senior year in high school, my friend wanted to do a Ouija board for her birthday. And I told her, I was like, I'll be there, but I'm not participating. And the whole time, like they tried like four different sets of girls and like, it did not work. Like nothing was coming through. And of course they were like, well, like you've had experience, like, why don't you do it? And I was like, I don't really want to, like, I don't know. That's not really for me. And I got talked into it. So I ended up doing it again. Um, but this time it was someone that we knew that came through. Um, there was a guy who was a year older than me. I want to say it was his sophomore or junior year. He came home late from a party, didn't want to wake his parents up and it was cold. So he left his car on, fell asleep in his car in the garage and died. Oh my God. Yeah. And so he came through and at first it was like, well, what are your initials? It showed his initials. It was like, no way this is you what was your number in football the number in football came through okay what color was your car red that came through who was your best friend his best friend's name came through and then they all got so mad at me they were like why would you do this to us like why are you pretending that like this ghost is communicating with us of this guy that we went to school with and like two of the girls were actually friends with them so they were getting really mad at me and I was like why would I do that I I didn't know who his best friend was. I don't remember when his number was in football. Like these are things that happened four years ago. And I was acquaintances with this guy, but I was not friends with him. And so like just being a sensitive person and having this stuff happen whenever I touch something or do something with people, like after that, it made me not really want to do it and not share it with other people because they didn't talk to me for like two months. Hmm. Hmm. I think it's because I think it's like cognitive dissonance. Like it's so shocking yeah. that people just can't, <clears throat> if they're not really prepared, they can't, it's hard for them to accept it. Yeah. And, so and they I just, knew, I was like, if I touch this, I know something's going to come through. Like, I don't know what it's going to be. I was like, I hope it's just my friend's grandma. But then of course it's just, you know, someone that was still attached to these girls. Hmm. Do you feel like you still have any dark energies around you? Um, I don't think so. I would like to think I don't. Um, I know from our reading that there are some with the person that I live with. Um, but I don't think that affects me anymore. I very much in the past couple of years... I feel like blocked because I don't, I don't see spirits. 
and I they don't necessarily talk to me but I do get like information downloads like that clear cognizance is there and I mm-hmm. think that's just because I went through the scary things as a kid and I was like I don't want to see anything anymore and so I blocked that channel um but I've become really comfortable with being like I serve with love and light. Like I'm not here to mess around with anything dark. And if anything dark comes around me, I will blast you with my light and love. Like I will, I have no fear anymore of these dark entities. I went through having enough of my energy siphoned and having enough fear in my life and having depression for so long that like, I'm not, I'm in my peace bubble and I'm not letting anything negative fuck with that. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And I love hearing that because I feel like it is that simple. It's a combination of that sort of like knowledge and acknowledgement of your own power and like a total unwillingness to participate in anything that feels off or feels dark. Um, And then also a willingness to just like be right with yourself and real with yourself and see yourself so that they can't use the pieces of you that you don't want to see against you. Yeah. And if I ever feel anything, like if I'm meditating or something and I feel something negative, I'm like, all right, time to put my Merkaba up, like time to shield myself. So you got to, like, I will definitely feel if you try to penetrate my energy and I won't, I won't let that happen with anything negative. I'm always welcoming to like angels or higher level interdimensional beings if they want to communicate with me or show me anything um but I've just been very much like the dark stuff y'all can't fuck with me like I'm too I'm too late now you had your chance 10 years ago and I'm not letting you have your chance ever again (laughs) that's amazing and what are your current spiritual practices what kind of things do you do to sort of cultivate all this Um, Well, I'm still kind of trying to figure that out lately. I kind of feel like I'm watching my life happen the way that it's supposed to happen, which is Mm -hmm. so odd. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I don't know if you want me to share this, so feel free to edit this part out. But when I like two years ago, I was at this job where like, it was a good job paying money, like I could absorb all the information I needed to with podcasts and YouTube videos but my coworker was probably literally one of the most trash people I've ever met in my life like energy vampire if it's not her way then it's no way at all I will yell at you for the tiniest minute mistake that you make and make fun of you and all this stuff and I just kind of got to the point where I was like I want to do something else. I want to do something that feels fulfilling, but is also like spiritual. And I was like, man, I would love to work with Amy. So the fact that you had that internship thing pop up on Instagram, and then I emailed you, and then we talked about it here. And I heard I heard you laugh in my head. And you were like, just fucking wait, just fucking wait. And that was like almost three years ago at this point. And so I just feel like I'm in this groove now where like if anything like negative happens in my life, I kind of try to look for the lesson in that. And then, yeah, I'm just like, I feel like, man, this clear cognizance thing is so weird because I just, I I feel it and I know it. I'm like, oh yeah, this is what's supposed to happen. Like this, this will come up next. Like just wait on it. It's taught me a lot of patience, which is something I never really was good at in life. Um but it just comes in. Honestly, I can't control the claircognizance. And like last night I was 
whenever I go to talk to you, I feel very like zenned in, like my spiritual gifts are here. Like I got my boxing gloves on and I'm ready to figure things out. And so I did a reading for my friend last night, a tarot reading. And she was like, wow, this is like everything I needed. And I was like, like things like that just make me feel so good. I don't know. It's just meditation when I feel like I, I need to do it and just paying attention. Like I've been able to discern what my intuition is and what that clear cognizance is versus like um having a gut feeling like oh something bad's gonna happen and being like oh this is going to happen like I had an experience at the mall like a month ago where I thought it was crazy because I've been watching this deaf kid named Cooper and his mom like their YouTube shorts and stuff like that um and so I was like I just have the name Cooper in my head but there's this little boy that ran away from his mom that was maybe like three years old. And in my mind, it went, Cooper. And I was like, that was weird. And literally within three seconds, the mom went, Cooper, the same way I heard it in my head. Wow. I was like, I can hear, I can hear other people's thoughts. Like, what is going on? And so I've never had, I haven't had that experience again with a stranger. I think it was more so because like when I go out, I'm always very mindful of where the children are, who's with the children. Like if there's anyone that I feel like grabs a child, that's not, that's not their child or, you know, things like that. I'm always watching out for the kids. And I feel like because I'm that kind of person, I just heard the moms worrying like right before she said it out loud. So I don't, I don't know. It's, it's weird. I'm getting used to it. That's amazing. I love hearing that too, because it's like, I mean, I'm the one that worded it as spiritual practices. And I feel like there is a, for certain personality types, first of all, like continuous repetition and routine are very, very like the thing and other personality types, it's not the thing, but also I feel like during a certain part of our I mean, it's our spiritual development, but it's with anything, any way that we're like switching our perspective and the way that we exist in the world. Um, there's a, a time when you have to lean on the masculine, which is the part that does that, the like repetitive, like dedication and practice. Mm -hmm. And then you can switch into the more feminine energy of, of just going with the flow. And I, I, I mean, I'm personally a very flow person, but I, I think, think that's the define the divine feminine nature. Yeah, exactly. The, that's it. And like, some people do better with that masculine energy. Like that's what works for them. And some people do better with the feminine energy, but I feel like they always have to be in some kind of balance anyway. There always has to be a little bit of both, but, um, I love hearing that you're in this flow state where it's just. It's like you've made the shift into experiencing life in this way. So you're not having to work to convince your mind to like be able to see the signs and experience the synchronicities. And, and now it's able to just come in like your filters are down. And also I really, really, I mean, I feel like your experience with Cooper is um, just one, one more piece of evidence that the telepathic network is starting to open up. Um, that we're, we're able to communicate with each other in that way, but it's, it's still kind of new, you know, like yeah. we're, we're still figuring out how to harness it and refine it. For sure. I think the, the telepathy 
like I've experienced it with people that I'm close to, but experiencing it with someone who I don't know her name. I didn't know her son's name. I've never seen them before. Like, you know, people seem like NPCs, but in that moment, I felt very much like these are real people. Like I'm not just surrounded by robots built by the hologram matrix, however you want to put it, that these are like real souls that I'm, I can feel their energetic wavelengths hit me before it becomes into the physical world. And I think that kind of just like solidified the understanding that I have of like natural law or the hermetic principles and made it feel more tangible instead of like, you know, like the Ten Commandments are, this is a list of rules and this is what you have to follow because this is just how it is in life. Mm-hmm. Totally. And do you, I'm curious, do you ever feel like people are NPCs? Is that an experience that you have? Um, Some people, yeah. I've definitely had experiences where I've seen the same person do the same thing like five times in the same spot. Like I heard I was walking home one day from work and I heard these two women repeat the same two sentences to each other five times. And wow. then they would move on. Like it was like they had a pattern that they had to hit and they had to stick to before it kept going. It was very odd. And I've had experiences like that maybe only like two or three other times, but it's it's very noticeable to me. Like the energy just feels off. I don't really know how to explain it. It's just kind of like, to me, it sticks out like a sore thumb. But I've also, I totally forgot about this. I've also kind of seen the hologram. Um, The way that it shows up to me, I first saw it like at work, I would work under these like really tight fluorescent lights that would give me migraines all the time. But I started seeing like shimmers. And then when I would go out in nature, it was like, I actually saw them. I saw the like, almost like different sparkles be their own individual selves, but it also be part of like this wavelength. And they would all, it would all just vibrate. It was very interesting, but also like incredibly beautiful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I totally recognize what you're saying because I've seen it too. And I'm not sure if um, everybody sees it the same or if we see it, I imagine we probably see it slightly differently, everybody, but um, it, it looks to me like to notice it. First of all, I know I've spoken about it before, but like I can look at my walls and I see the pixelation. Like I see it's pixelated. It's not but I don't think it's the same kind of pixelation as we experience, like looking at my computer and I can do it. It's not just because I'm looking at my computer and it's transferring onto my wall. I can do it any time of day or night. And I actually don't spend a lot of time at my computer. I do most of my work on my phone because I have little kids. So I'm always multitasking. But um, I think that if I were to dial into the pixelation of, you know, my desk, it would look more geometric than the one on my device screens. But also when it when I see it more like in in the distance rather than on an overlaid on an object, like sort of in the air, it does have that shimmering, waving texture, almost like heat waves, like when heat is coming off of like hot pavement or a barbecue in the summer or something like that. But it's not like it happens 
regardless of the temperature. It can happen in the winter. And then it also has, I see those sparkles too. Like, I don't know. One time I saw them and it just looked like pieces of a kaleidoscope, almost like I could reach out and like touch it with my finger and it would like change because I'm touching it. It's very interesting. Yeah. That's a really cool experience. I've never been able to see them like super close up like that. It's always been like within a foot from me. It kind of feels like the the radius that I can see it is kind of like how far my work field goes. Like that's what's connecting me to my field. And that's why I can't get like up close to it. But yeah, it's like, it's, it looks literally like all those quantum physics videos that it's like these little atoms connected through wavelengths and they all have their own energy, but they're kind of just like reflecting each other and making this solid motion. I feel like it's almost also kind of like being able to physically see the earth's hurts and just like seeing it because it's such a calming wave. Like it's not sporadic and it's not really fast it's like it's like the tide on a non-windy day just like coming and going and coming and going I don't know whenever I see it I just have to stop and just like take in the beauty I can't like ignore it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's so so it is so beautiful and it's I also find it very reassuring I'm like oh okay I'm in a hologram that's where I am yeah all right um what do you, I'm curious. So I, I always, I feel like I always have to ask people when they bring up NPCs, because I don't think I have ever met an NPC. I, I don't think I have when I, I like search my brain and search my brain and I don't, I can't think of an occasion. So what do you think NPCs are given that you feel like you have encountered them? Um, I feel like they are some sort of program that makes it feel like the world isn't as empty as it actually is. Mm. Um, it feels like it doesn't really feel organic to me, though. I will say that. Like, it doesn't feel like other people. It doesn't feel like plants or animals it feels very like when you have a cell phone and you're trying to make a call, but you're in a concrete building and you can't exactly get the signal that you're looking for because of the walls. Like it feels like they are in the walls surrounded by concrete. Like I get no communication. I get no energy. It Mm. feels very like base level, low frequency. And I'm, hoping that I'm not calling people low frequency people I just feel like it's like I don't know if they're missing a soul or if they're so clouded with other things that it seems like they don't have a soul or if it's literally just like a program but it's it's definitely inorganic feeling Mm -hmm. I think that's a really great description. And I'm like, as I'm listening, I'm like, yeah, no, I definitely have never encountered an NPC, but I'm not saying they don't exist. I just, I'm more like when I listen, I'm like, why haven't I encountered an NPC? (laughs) Like, like what is wrong with me that I have no, not what's wrong with me, but you know, like what, like, how is this, 
how, why haven't I? Um, but I think I, I like the way that you described it and like drawing the analogy of the, the concrete walls, like nothing is bouncing. There's no yeah, it's like return. My energy interacts with my environment, mm-hmm. but when I see them, it's almost like a feeling before I see them. It's like, oh, something's weird. It's like my energy hits a concrete wall and it's not interacting anymore. And then I see these people doing repetitious tasks or saying the same thing over and over again. Like the weirdest part one was when that woman literally, they were just saying the same sentences to each other, just standing on the corner. I was like, so this is what people are talking about when it comes to NPCs. Like it was very, it's very... I feel like when you're open to this kind of stuff, it's very easy to tell. Like you'll, it'll be like almost it grabs your attention because it's so different than what you've experienced before. And did they just look like regular women? Yeah, just regular women with dogs. I didn't really feel anything from their little dogs. It was very, very, very weird. It was, and then I've had other experiences where it's just like I see a person walk back and forth or they get in their car, they get out of their car, they get in their car, they get out of their car. So it's just, and sometimes I don't know if it's people getting stuck in a loop so then they feel like an NPC or if they actually just are an NPC. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That That's a really good point. It's so, so mysterious because like I can think of people who I've seen, you know, they do the same repetitious task over and over, or um, they're like walking back and forth. But I can tell that those people are, you know, like like one guy in my town that I can think of, like, I think he just has a mental illness. And like, he probably had, like maybe had, like was born with fetal alcohol syndrome or something. Like I can just tell that it's that it's not that he's an MP. It's not that he yeah. doesn't have a soul. It's, it's a different mechanism. Yeah. He still has some energy. He doesn't feel flat. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's super interesting. Well, it's kind of like, I mean, I, I've only seen one ghost ever before. And that ghost, I would say was just an echo of a loop rather than being an actual, like ghost with a personality or a soul fragment to it and the other ghosts that I've seen have all been in the dream space and I know that those are real but like I've never seen a ghost with my real eyes and yet obviously ghosts exist so maybe it's the same kind of thing where I just for whatever reason I have just not encountered an NPC yet and I have to rely on talking to other people find out like more about what what these beings are it's very very interesting they probably come there like at the time I was living in a college town um and that's when I saw it for the first time so maybe it's just like being around more people I don't know if you live in like a smaller city or something like that Mm -hmm. or if you don't really travel very much um the funny thing is I've been to like big cities like New York City and I've never experienced an NPC, but being in like a small town that's a college town that in the summer is pretty dead, like that's when it was almost like the real people left and some of the people who are here are just people to fill out the town, make it feel like there's still people in here. I don't know. It's the first encounter was just kind of like 
me realizing that it's real that was kind of like my first because that happened maybe like six months before I started seeing the hologram I feel like that was maybe like the universe being like look we're gonna start introducing you to stuff like this so you gotta be ready for it so interesting and I I want to confirm like because I've seen, so for example, like on like other um, content creators, like on YouTube or other video platforms, I've seen them refer to people as NPCs, but who it appears to me that those people are talking about are the very, very like lower class, very poor, have been born generationally poor, uneducated, usually eating fast food and like usually have a lot of health problems and obesity. And they'll refer to those people as NPCs, but, you know, like, obviously I've encountered those people in my, in my city and I don't, for me, I still feel the warmth of a soul. I just feel like they're under like layers and layers and layers of trauma. That's all. And so there's not like the, the, the light of their soul is pretty dim. It's not turned, not that their intelligence is dim, but that their, their true soul essence is really, really like, it's just these burning embers rather than a flame, but I still feel it there. So that is, that's not what you're talking about, right? You're talking about just whatever person who from whatever demographic and just feels empty of like, it's a program. Yeah. I, and the person I was talking about that I worked with, um, who was not a good person, she was very, very low vibe. And I don't like to call people low vibe, but like, that's literally what it was like drinking two liters of pop all the time Mm -hmm. and like smoking cigarettes all the time and like being mean to her kids and like being mean to anyone when she didn't get her way. Like those are characteristics to me of someone who's just like, so like you said bogged down by their trauma and like probably epigenetic trauma Mm -hmm. and like just the mundaneness of human existence that's just a a, I can like you said I still feel like they're a soul I don't feel like they're an empty show these people literally feel like I see a person but I don't and as an empath I normally can tell something about a person by being around them and that I just it felt like nothing. It felt like if someone could completely hide their soul and had like no energy, that's pretty much what it felt like, like a super concealed presence. So if they could have had a soul and maybe they were doing that, I don't know. But to me, it just felt like they were completely void of everything that animates us as humans. That is so fascinating. I feel like I need to have like an NPC round table or something and have like people who had NPC encounters just come and like, I'll just listen. I'll just moderate and be like, oh, tell me more. That's so, so interesting. So then does that lead you to feel like this reality that we're in is, and I mean, obviously we both agree because we've experienced and we'll, we use the word hologram, but do you feel like it's a simulation? And if so, do you feel like it's an organic simulation or an inorganic simulation or a combination of both? Um, the way that I understand it is that we live in a organic simulation that has been kind of taken over by um, people who essentially want to take over our realm and has stuck us in a more 3D space. Um, 
So I do feel like we live in an organic hologram, but that there's like a simulation overlay over that that is inorganic. Um, and not to be like a conspiracy theorist, um, I am into conspiracies, but I don't really like to bring that too much into spirituality. But I definitely feel like that has helped me understand the whole 3D to 5D shift and like the pulling apart of that. I feel like that's kind of just like Gaia being like, I'm I'm sick of being held back by these this artificial matrix. I just want to be myself, be my whole self. And so I feel like like we are truly organic, but I feel like some of the the things that we experience like aren't organic, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it totally makes sense. I, I see it very similarly. Like I feel like there are two different two different simulations. And I even use the word I I've talked to some people who don't love the use of the word simulation, which I mean, none of these words are perfect or accurate, but they, they feel like it conjures up for them. this like empty feeling devoid of like a creator or warmth or anything. Like it's just this mechanical emptiness. And that's even the false matrix, I don't think is that, but maybe a little bit, I don't know. I don't know. It's probably us that's animating it, but I feel like Simulation is the best word that I can use because what it what it feels like to me is that everything that is expressed here is an expression of this bandwidth of consciousness that we call a dimension. And our consciousness can move. It just it's very bogged. It's that's where it's trapped in the false matrix, but it's actually able. It's just stuck in a net. When it can get through the net, it's able to move between all these different bandwidths, like like a radio dial or whatever. You can move station to station and frequency to frequency. And so when you come into this one, this reality crystallizes. And in that sense, it's a simulation because we suddenly render it and there it is all around us. And it's real, but not that it was programmed by like a computer and it's like a complete fabrication of like, and it doesn't exist at all. More just that is very specific to where we are. When we leave this bandwidth, this dimension, we anchor into another way that reality and consciousness organizes itself and expresses itself. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. I completely agree with that. And I think that sometimes using like game language can be kind of harmful because I don't in any way want to tell people like oh this is a game like this isn't real none of your experiences are real like we're just here to like shoot the shit and figure it out um I don't think that's a positive way to look at it I like to look at it more as like I love when you use the word avatar like this is kind of like the way that my soul wanted to present itself in this experience in this um, perceived time period to learn more about itself and to bring that information back to source and back to the oversoul and to just gain more experience. I feel like to, at least for me personally, I feel like I was tasked with like healing epigenetic wounds and like generational trauma. And I think part of that is because either like after this life or possibly in my next life, 
I'm going to be like more of a guide. Like I'll be someone's spirit guide. So I feel like that's what my purpose here now is to gain the experience to help souls in the future be able to navigate experiences like this. Mm-hmm. That's super beautiful. And when you're saying that, I became aware that like you're already doing that, but in a like in that way that, you know, people always say that time isn't real and everything's all happening at once. It, I just could like feel, cause I'm always attached to the Akashic field. I w- I was able to see like, there is already a lifetime currently that your soul is currently doing that. And it is drawing on the experience that your soul is having right now. And that is a lot of where your claircognizant downloads come from. So rather than coming from an external like source of wisdom, that's sending it to you. Oh, some of it might be coming from an external source of wisdom, like a guide or whatever. Um, but it is coming from a version of yourself that has synthesized and integrated everything that you are currently living through. And it's just like, you're both, you're both, I don't know. I, it's really hard to describe. No, <laughs> I totally feel that Amy so much and I'm so glad that you said that because it validates so much for me like how I told you earlier where I feel like I'm just kind of like watching my life play out the way it's supposed to and I feel very connected to like my higher self whatever kind of form or type of soul that is and I feel like that's again like you said why my clear cognizance is becoming so alerting because I'm just being more and more aligned with that as I progress and I think that's so interesting that you just got that download so cool so cool MJ this has been an amazing conversation I have loved talking with you so much um I know you make beautiful art is there anything that you want to share with the listeners if you like if you want to share your socials or your art or anything like that Um, I think I gave you my Twitter username. That's like where I'm kind of the most active online. And then I gave you, I have a problem. I've had problems with like body dysmorphia and stuff. So I don't really like to post myself on like Instagram or Twitter or anything. So I have an Instagram for my cat, but I'm very (laughs) like um, Brandon from, what is his podcast called? Expanding Reality. reality. Yeah. He followed me back and I was like, oh my God, that's cool um but so I I'm all involved in the community over there I just only really post pictures of my cat because that's what gets me through cool and I'm working right now I've been researching like um papers that the CIA has put out like proving psychic abilities and stuff like that so I'm working on trying to make maybe like a two or three part series on YouTube about that, but I'm still in the researching phase right now. So very cool. Well, definitely everybody keep an eye on MJ because I can just tell that. And plus I had the benefit of doing the Akashic reading for you. I just know (laughs) that you have, you just have a very beautiful energy and very exciting, creative things that want to be born through you. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. So thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you for sharing your time and your wisdom and your journey. And I love you, everybody. Thank you for listening. And I'll catch you on the next episode.